Recently on the Marketplace Morning Report, you heard our Democracy in the Desert series. We took you to places characterized by researchers as news deserts to see what communities stand to lose when they're without a local news ecosystem, especially during an election year. This kind of reporting takes resources. David Brancaccio went on a six-day reporting trip with two of our producers, grounding themselves in these communities and meeting locals who are trying to find solutions and fill the gaps. Every donation to Marketplace helps sustain this kind of in-depth journalism. Please give what you can today at marketplace.org slash donate. Recently on the Marketplace Morning Report, you heard our Democracy in the Desert series. We took you to places characterized by researchers as news deserts to see what communities stand to lose when they're without a local news ecosystem, especially during an election year. This kind of reporting takes resources. David Brancaccio went on a six-day reporting trip with two of our producers, grounding themselves in these communities and meeting locals who are trying to find solutions and fill the gaps. Every donation to Marketplace helps sustain this kind of in-depth journalism. Please give what you can today at marketplace.org slash donate. Hunger and high costs push Nigerians to protest. Hello, you're listening to the Marketplace Morning Report, live from the BBC World Service. I'm Liana Byrne, and a very good morning to you. Now, when Nigerians' President Bola Tinubu came to power last May, he introduced a series of economic reforms. But since then, prices have gone up by 30% and the value of the Naira currency has plunged. The trade union umbrella group, the Nigeria Labour Congress, has organised nationwide protests today, calling for more action from the government. Here's the BBC's Nkechi Ogbana. The government has assured the people that these reforms will take time and that things will ease off after this initial pinch by the economic policies that have been introduced in the last eight months. But the truth is, people are desperate. People have reached like their breaking point and anywhere you go to, people rush you. If you're coming out from a car or if you look well-dressed, people just rush to you, please, I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. People have reached their breaking point, literally. So I do not know when things would get better because it's gotten worse. Every day it keeps getting worse. So we do not know when when the curve will start bending, like during the time of COVID, where we're all anticipating when the curve would, would be different. But at this time, people are honestly very desperate and they just need some level of deliverance. And Ketchi Ogbana there. One Nigerian, Ugu Chukwu, got in touch with the BBC to tell us what life is like there. People are starving. Cost of transportation, housing, basic amenities like food and water have skyrocketed. The cost of petrol is out of this. is unimaginable. And salaries have not increased in real time. People are now forced to resort to all sorts of self-help the government keeps on telling us to endure, that things will get better, that it's a painful medicine that needs to be taken before we... But well, they are not taking the medicine that they are giving us. Gov- uh, the, 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 the senators, the House of Reps, the, 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 were planning to buy, use 57 billion naira, that's about 36 to 40 million dollars, to buy armored vehicles for themselves. After they buy these armored vehicles, on which road are they going to drive them on? So how's the government going to respond to this crisis? Here's Nigeria's finance minister, Wal Eden. We are predicting not only to improve revenue, but to grow the economy, increase productivity, growth, inflation under control, a growing trade surplus, 
And in the meantime, I must say, Mr. President has now focused on doing something about helping youth while they are unemployed. When you put money directly in people's hands, that's the best way in the short term to relieve poverty. That was Nigeria's finance minister, Wal Eden. Now, let's do the numbers. Japan's indices are up after the country's core inflation slowed for the third month in a row to 2%. And here's another number for you, 22%. That's how much more male employees earn compared to female colleagues in Australia. That's according to figures from every large private sector employer there. And Cuba's tox cigar maker, Habanos, says its sales soared to a record $721 million last year. Distribution of Marketplace Morning Report from the BBC World Service is supported by Affinity, provider of the CRM for the private capital relationship economy. Affinity knows who has the best relationship with the right startup. Affinity.co slash marketplace. And by Progressive. Progressive Commercial Insurance offers personalized rates and customizable coverages for your business vehicles. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. There's growing concern about the tactics being used by companies offering unsecured loans via mobile phone apps in Kenya, with numerous reports of firms accessing users' personal data to chase repayments. The BBC's Hannah McCarthy reports. I'm here in Nairobi, the capital of Kenya, where over 80% of the population access loans and financial services directly on their mobile phones. When users install these apps on their phones, they often hand over large amounts of their personal data. As you're applying for the loan, you allow them to access your contacts, your phone numbers, your messages, and even your calls. I spoke to Erica, who didn't want to use her real name, about how she began taking out mobile loan apps when she lost her job during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm living in the capital city, Nairobi. I have lost my job. I have a daughter in the house. I have a dependent. And you basically have the bills to pay. Erica began taking out an increasing number of mobile loans. So three days to the repayment date, they start sending you messages, very uncouth messages, hostile messages, rude messages, reminding you that your loan is due in three days. Even the repayment date you are yet to pay, they start making incessant calls. You block one number, they call you with another one, another one, messages, and then they start threatening you that they are going to call your contacts. The Kenyan government has brought in new regulations to restrict lenders accessing users' personal information, but it hasn't stopped the many unregulated lenders from continuing to harass people. So I would say the new law is not effective. There are some loopholes. There's so much that needs to be done. But Paul Adams from Innovations for Poverty Action believes that some phone data could allow lending companies to reliably give loans to people who lack a traditional credit history that includes things like credit card payments or mortgages. In countries like Kenya, where maybe individuals don't have such a rich credit history, the opportunity to use kind of traditional data is limited. And so there's lots of companies now trying to develop alternative ways to judge an individual's reliability at repaying loans. But informed consent is crucial for this model to work. What I would like to see is the users themselves given real agency and choice as to which bits of those data they are willing to hand over in the interest of credit scoring. Because it doesn't need to be that you have to hand over all of your data and your contacts. It can just be a limited set of data. It's clear that there are still plenty of changes to come from Kenya's digital money revolution. In Nairobi, I'm the BBC's Hannah McCarthy for Marketplace.
And finally, exciting news for Bridget Jones fans. Based on the British author Helen Fielding's books, the movies, which have grossed $136 million at the box office, follow Bridget's romantic escapades. Now, after two decades, a fourth instalment is in the works, with Renee Zellweger picking up the role again. And here's how things ended for Bridget in the last film. Dear Diary, and so I, Bridget Jones, am a singleton no more. Married? Yes. Smug? Well, it's about time, so maybe just a little. So is the appeal still there? The BBC's Chantelle Hartle has been taking a look. The character first appeared on screen as a young woman in London navigating messy relationships with two main love interests while trying to lose weight and maintain a career as a journalist. The first film released in 2001 was a huge box office success. It made $282 million worldwide. But there is no question about it. Some of the scenes haven't aged well. How's your love life? Super. Thanks, Uncle G. Still no further then, eh? I don't know. Few career girls can't put it off forever, you know. Tick tock, tick tock. Speaking to the BBC in 2020, author Helen Fielding said she was surprised by how much sexism Bridget experienced when she rewatched the earlier films. I was staggered. You couldn't write that now. I mean, in the end, she turned around and stuck it to them, but it was just part and parcel of her life. Then there's the context of modern dating and just how different that looks from Bridget's romantic encounters of the early noughties. So can it still hold the same charm for fans? Film critic Siobhan Sinnott isn't sure. It might bring in the millennium crowd or it might have the fate of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny where everybody thought that that was going to bring in old fans uh, to indulge in a bit of nostalgia but instead it lost Disney 100 million. Few details have been released about the fourth movie, but producers have teased a devastating twist. It's also not known yet if Bridget's main love rivals, played by Colin Firth and Hugh Grant, will star alongside Zellweger again. Chantel Hartle there. And that's it from the Marketplace Morning Report from the BBC World Service. I'm Leanna Byrne. Thanks for listening. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy.